Welcome to Choose Beauty, a modern salon podcast. This episode is sponsored by Ulta Beauty, the leader in cosmetics, fragrance, and skincare. Ulta Beauty is dedicated to providing the highest quality products to beauty and salon professionals alike. While they continue the reopening process, Ulta Beauty also offers an interactive virtual try-on experience inside the Ulta Beauty app, Glam Lab. Please follow Ulta Beauty on Instagram at Ulta Beauty and check out Ulta.com for all the latest news, store reopening updates, and beauty steals. Choose Ulta Beauty when you choose beauty. In this episode, Anne Murado, Director of Brand Content Strategy for Modern Salon, sits down with Monet Everett, celebrity hairstylist and creator of the Monet Life Academy. Monet discusses her beginnings in the industry, what the industry can do to help reach racial equality, as well as a challenging time on set that instilled confidence in her ability. And now, Anne's conversation with Monet. and thank you so much for joining us. I'm delighted today to be talking to Monet Everett. Monet is a, is a hairstylist. She's also an author. She's a public speaker. She's a beauty ambassador. She's launched her own virtual university, the Monet Life Academy. And she's also a uh, texture expert, a editorial stylist, she, I, I could go on, but, but we, need to, we need to leave time to be able to talk. So, Monet, thank you so much for joining us and during what is, I know, a really busy time for you. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. Anything for Modern Salon. Oh, nice to hear. I, I'd love to, to have you kind of start at the beginning of, of your hair journey, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and how how you got interested in hair and and were you supported in your choice to become a hairstylist? Oh, I love that ending. That ending question is is very important. So I was a very opinionated teenager and young woman, and I would have a lot to say about celebrities, how they wore their hair and their outfit choices. And this was way before red carpet coverage. And people would say, oh my goodness, if you can't do better, you should be quiet. And one day I was like, I really think I could do better. So uh, I joined cosmetology, uh, which was offered at a Voltec Center at my high school. And I was many credits ahead, so I could have done it my sophomore year or my junior year, but I was unable to. My counselor actually got together with my grandmother. They knew each other, and they decided I was too smart for cosmetology school. <sighs> Deep breath there. Right. So I ended up going to cosmetology school my senior year in high school and coming back my freshman year in college. Uh, I had heard all the stories about people being broke in college, and I just didn't want to be broke. So a little of that seeped into me and I thought, well, it'll just be a fleeting thing that I do while I'm in college, but I really fell in love with it. And I was so blessed that my school offered cosmetology um, because Botex, um, because Botex centers are few and far between first off, but secondly, actual cosmetology schools were like twice as much as my university. So I would not have been able to afford to go to a quote unquote proper cosmetology 
school and I certainly would not have been able to go while I was also taking full-time college courses. So fast forward a few years, uh, I get my degrees, I hand them to my mother. I'm like, hey, I know you wanted to have these, but I'm going to stay in beauty. I had just learned about the world of commercial beauty, working with celebrities and things of that nature. So I started working toward that goal on the weekends while I worked in salons and I even managed a salon, became a hair color educator and all of that before moving to New York. Wow. So where, where did all that take place again? Tell me where you, you grew up. So it's funny. I was born in Brooklyn, but raised in the Northern Virginia uh, area. DMV stand up. My DMV folks will know that. Shout out DC, Maryland in Virginia. Uh, and I always said to myself, well, I was born in Brooklyn and I go back. I visit, I take jobs up there. I'm a New Yorker. I moved back to New York 10 years ago and was like, I am not a New Yorker. I definitely had a lot I needed to learn about being in New York. Wow, I, I, uh, I'm sure that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, oh, yes, it is. I, I love, I, I agree. I think uh, these programs where you can be pursuing your passion at an early age, because so many people, I hear these stories, people know what they want. And it's wonderful when it's supported and when there's an education system as well that can support you through that way. Now, you talked about how you started in salons and you became interested in the sort of the other, the other side of things, the editorial, the... How did you step into that? I mean, what did that look like when you were doing it in, you know, versus what things look like now with social media? And how did you, how did you start pursuing that? That's a great question, and it's, it's multi-fold. So social media was very new. Like we had like MySpace and only college kids had Facebook. So when a coworker mentioned to me that her passion was commercial work and working with celebrities, I had never had it occurred to me that people specialized in doing covers of magazines or the Kmart commercial or things like that. So she told me to check out Craigslist and Model Mayhem. So I started at little jobs like that with like K-list celebrities, not even D-list. K-list, you know, we have those in every city, the young women doing runway shows and the young women who want to be models and uh, the politicians in your town and the socialites and things of that nature. So I started styling them and learning as I went and they would refer me. So I do like one low budget, budget fashion show and then I go and do another one a little bit higher of a budget and then a late night club show and then a politician's hair. And I moved on from there, but I, this is what led me into making the Monet Life Academy. There really wasn't anyone I could speak to about it because all of the big artists were in New York and LA. And when I did start reaching out to them on Facebook or trying to find their email, because it wasn't the norm for everyone to have their own website, even almost 20 years ago, they were not very forthcoming with any information. And I understood that they, they certainly didn't owe me that but I really do want to help people to kind of learn their path because it doesn't help me as a seasoned artist to have a lot of new stylists coming in and flooding the industry, doing things that just don't work. Oh, interesting. So you actually created the education 
that you needed Absolutely. At, at the beginning so that you could share it with other people. So talk a little bit more about the Monet Life and, and Monet Life Academy because more than ever, virtual education, especially as we've been locked down through COVID, is so important. I mean, I know that you do in-person, virtual, you've also written a book. Talk a little bit about what somebody who is interested in in learning more, what will they see when they tap into that? So I have some free resources uh, like um, the celebrity checklist cheat sheet for what you need in your hairstyling kit if you want to go on set and work with people so that you can work with every hair texture and every length. That's really important to me, uh, working with every hair texture so that you're not caught off guard. And I also have check sheets on um, how to buy the right blow dryer, how to find the right uh, educator to take courses for. My courses include titles like So You Want to Work on Set, where I teach you how to style hair, all four hair textures to photographic perfection. And the four hair textures are straight hair, wavy hair, curly hair, and coily or natural hair. And I make it super easy for you. I give you a lot of... Um, demonstrations as um, in technique, as well as um, information on how to network and some advice from industry experts like um, top-notch photographers. And um, my editorial hairstyling class really breaks down the two parts of the industry, print work versus film work. Most people don't realize that there are only two parts and print is mainly what I do, but that includes commercial, advertisements, photo shoots, and runway shows. Whereas film is theater, episodics, TV shows, and YouTube videos can go between the two. So I really try to make it very educational, but I always do hands-on technique to explain the difference. There are a lot of differences with working on any production versus working in a salon. And one example of that would be if you ask someone how long they take to do a hairstyle, they tend to tell you how long it takes them to create that after the client has been shampooed and prepped and they come back to the chair. And in my world, the timing starts when the client walks in the door and it ends when they walk out the door. They're not too concerned with your process. So I teach how to style them um, efficiently, quickly, in a way that photographs lovely and that they're happy and they leave you know leave happy and tell people what a great job you did you know you you talked about um not only do you teach but you've mastered uh working with all the different textures of hair and right now texture is a big topic in our industry and it, it's especially important to talk about it because in terms of of representation of artists who are being hired for editorial styling, being hired for movies, for film, for, for television. Um, first of all, backing up a little bit, what was your, you have to say, I wanna learn how to do every kind of hair. What, did you do that in the salon? Did you, were you self, how did you, how did you acquire that sort of breadth of, of skill and technique? Well, I could answer that multiple ways. I'm really blessed. I have um, 
four siblings, three sisters and a mom. Um, so if you put all six of us together, we don't have one of us with the same hair texture. So that in itself made me learn. Um, I wasn't really allowed to go get my hair done. And I didn't understand my mom saying, like, it will be difficult for you to get your hair done. My hair is very curly and very fine. So salons, black salons, really struggled with my hair. And white salons just wouldn't take me. And I know it was because of the color of my skin, not because of my hair texture. So every time I went, I had a bad experience. So I came home and started learning how to style my own hair. When I went to cosmetology, I was definitely not one of those people who knew how to do hair who just went to cosmetology for the license. I learned a lot. I accredit my cosmetology teacher with a lot of things. I didn't even know how to braid a cornrow, and I just came out with a book studying braids. So when I was in cosmetology, my cosmetology teacher said to me, you are a great student. Your technique is right. You're open to learning. You need to go assist in a salon where they don't look like you. So the name of the salon I worked in was X, Y, and Z European Salon and Spa. That lets you know the average person did not look like me. So I learned a lot. I really got in there and learned color. Um, I learned um, blowout styling. I learned how to be really fast, and that gave me building blocks. But I knew once I got licensed was the bottom line was I didn't know how to style curly and kinky hair. So then I went and I assisted in a predominantly black salon. And when I went, I had a lot to learn, but I was able to take the basic building blocks that I learned in cosmetology and at the European Salon and Spa. And I was able to use them on everybody. So I was very aware as I learned kinky and curly hair, um, especially at that time, a lot of it was relaxed. I was very aware there were very few differences, very few. Um, the differences was mainly in the culture, like how you discuss the hairstyle you wanted and um, the final look of it as in, do you want it for lack of a better word, um, more firm or more soft. Because a lot of times, people who have kinky or curly hair want a style that will last for a week or so, whereas people with straight and wavy hair shampoo their hair every day or every other day. So you have a different finish, but the bottom line is when I went into set work and editorial work, you style their hair to look perfect at that moment. So straight hair and wavy hair, you know, you, you give them a little extra firmness so it'll last the entire day. Kinky hair and curly hair, you may tell them, okay, we put these curls in and in three days, it'll fall and look how you want it. On set hair, it needs to look exactly how they want it at that very moment. All of those require um, a slight tweaking of the same basic skill set. Wow, you touched on a lot right there. Um, <laughs> One thing you mentioned was being in a, 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 what, what you called the black salon and then the European salon where maybe more Caucasian clients style oh, and hair. So, <laughs> so if we as an industry, you know, if we're going to do our part for racial equity, how do we, how do we start, you know, erasing that sort of dividing line? Um, how, how it sounds like you did it is you made a conscious choice to educate yourself and you talked about culture and you talked about the different language even used to describe and maybe consult on here. 
but but what are you saying and seeing right now that that you want people to hear about about how we move forward from you know this moment this opportunity we have you gotta want it you gotta value it and what i found was many hairstylists found a way to hire assistants and have them to do the work that they're unable to do and then they are able to take the credit so I have this really uh, detailed way that things can change. And I'm far aware that there are more issues than possibly solutions. So I believe that we've adopted this Eurocentric way of beauty, where beauty is only um, very thin girls with large blue eyes and long, long hair. A lot of us don't fall into that. So you have mainstream media pushing this, and then you have the industry trades picking this up because it's popular and everybody wants to sell magazines and have website clicks then you have the hairstylists and makeup artists working towards making um, the models that they work with look this way so anybody looking up the pyramid is saying this is what beauty is this is what it should be so if you're in a salon people will, may say well why should i even bother to learn anything outside of that that's not where the money is that's not what's celebrated, you go down a step further. The cosmetology um, teachers don't know different hair textures, so they don't push it, but also the students coming in are saying, I wanna do what's pretty. What's pretty is blonde hair, long blonde hair, blue eyes, a thin model, this one very narrow look. We're all looking at this one narrow, very narrow look at the top of this pyramid, and everybody is saying there's really no reason to learn anything more. And the way that we break this up is by appreciating different forms of beauty. Everybody's not 5'11", a size two. Everybody's not blonde hair. The far majority of us don't have blue eyes. Um, actually, 70% of the world has some form of textured hair. Um, I would challenge the industry trades to do what they said they were gonna do and what they used to do, which is appreciate different hair. So. Um, looking at how a hairstyle was created, maybe so more than just the model wearing it. So the truth is that models overall do sell magazines, they do sell movies, if this person has this aesthetic. But if you're an industry trade, you should look at what went into creating this hairstyle, what went into creating um, this makeup look and take that into consideration. These things need to be written about because I, as a hairstylist, I wanna know how did they create this hair color? How did they get this, um, this person of Asian descent? How did they get their hair literally neon white? That is, you know, a difficulty in, it, in itself. And a new hairstylist coming in may not understand that that is a challenge to create. How did you get somebody's hair that is super kinky? How did you, molded into you know six different styles in five hours i want to know these things and if we celebrate somebody who is maybe not five a little 11 a little shorter a little thicker um, maybe a gap in their teeth you know just different forms of beauty it will start to level out this beauty game a bit we have these unattainable forms of what's considered beautiful and i think we need to bring it down just a, just a little bit yeah, you said you think there's more challenges than maybe answers, but I think I think everything you mentioned um, is doable. But but it does 
it does require um, a mind shift, you know? Yeah. It's it, sad it, that the main answer is you just got to want to. And yeah. I've been doing this for almost 20 years. And a lot of people don't want to. If you can hire somebody to do the work for you at a fifth or a tenth of what you charge and never tell anyone that they were there and they can't tell anyone that they were there, it's really another form of uh, keeping people down. I'm a huge advocate of assisting, but I believe um, when you assist, yes, you bring in people who can do things maybe better than you, but if you consistently bring in people to assist, you don't ever learn these things and you're literally keeping them in the back corner as the help so that no one knows, so that, so yeah. that no one knows that they were a part of the situation and they're not even able to say that they were a part of the situation. So you're literally profiting off of their hard work. You know, um, you're, you're talking about sort of being on set. And we, we were talking earlier about how you bridge several, you know, you bridge a few worlds that because you do celebrities, runway, red carpet, um, you know, film, television, and you're licensed in oh, yes. in different states. I mean, not that's that's not always the case. I live in LA. I know that a lot of you know sometimes the uh, oh, and not to mention getting into the union for mm -hmm. for some of this work. But yes. can, we have, can we talk a little bit about licensing? And I know that you have come out and and talked about the importance of licensing and also the importance of um, the industry taking itself seriously and continuing to remind the rest of the world uh, that that we're licensed professionals, that stylists are licensed professionals who put in a lot of time, energy, and effort. Absolutely. So I am a firm believer in licensing. I believe that licensing is super important because uh, you learn about sanitation. You take your career seriously. Um, the point of license, becoming licensed, it should be learning the building blocks of hairstyling, learning the building blocks of working with different people, learning geometry, learning chemistry. Um, they may not teach you how to mix every hair color, but they do teach you what chemicals work what way. Um, even learning to respect different chemicals, a lot of people do not realize that a relaxer is a chemical that if it's not properly neutralized and you go on to the next step of styling, it continues to eat through the scalp. Same thing as a perm. Um, there just are a little differences. So a relaxer, sodium hydroxide, a perm, sodium thycholacolate. Both of them we need to know because even if we're not necessarily administering that chemical, we need to understand how to work with it if someone has that in their hair. And uh, again, along the line of licensing and also sort of the, the little bit of the disconnect, when you go on set, let's say, mm -hmm. what are you bringing when you come on, uh, come on set? I mean, are you bringing all these things that you learned, you know, in the salon? Or are you bring? I mean, you have a toolkit now, a skill set that is so, so broad, but what has really served you in the work that you're doing now? I am bringing it all, and I am bringing it all, the sanitation I learned in cosmetology, the hair setting. So I always laugh that I say working on set 
and working with sets. So setting the hair, uh, believe it or not, those basic roller sets that you learn in cosmetology are the building blocks of every hairstyle. Whether I'm setting the hair with a round brush and blow dryer or setting with a curling iron or setting with a flat iron, I'm learning the importance of how to build up the hair, how to use setting products to achieve the look I want. Do I want a really firm look? Do I want a really soft look? I'm learning how to many times I might need to do someone's hair at 5 a.m. and it may need to last 16 hours or maybe I'm doing a photo shoot and I need to set their hair in a way that I can change the style six times in six hours. So I need to learn what set I could change because the photographer doesn't know this. It does not schedule time for me to have to recurl their hair every time. I need to understand how heat affects the hair because any hairstylist knows if you go in to curl that hair for the third time, sometimes the hair just give up. Just, I'm not going to do it no more. I'm not. It's hot in here. The lights are too much. I'm just going to stop. And you have not seen pressure until the hair gives up on you on set and there are 30 people looking at you. And if you don't do your job properly, we go into overtime and that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. So trust me, they are on your neck about doing your job exceptionally well in a timely manner. And everything goes with me. I'm learning how to style quickly, effectively, learning shapes of hairstyle. Um, hairstyling, all of this travels with me. I don't think there's anything that I've learned that I don't take with me on set. So if somebody was, was going to check out uh, Monet Life Academy and one of the classes you said, so you want to be hired. So you want to be hired and you have to have, you know, the skill set, but there's also a real um, showing up, being on time, be, you know, what are some of the kind of, What's the energy you need to bring on set to be that person that can work with, you know, these people that you, that you're just meeting that day, but you all have to show up and bring your best. Yeah, I'm happy you asked that. I have a new ebook coming out, um, 25 Things Stopping You From Being Hired. Uh, and I do talk about the energy you have to bring and the way you have to prepare with your, uh, your kit. So your kid is very important because everybody there, think of every job as speaking a different language. The hairstylist, the makeup artist, the model, the photographer, we all went to school and learned different things. We're speaking different languages. The first way that they're gonna judge you is how do you present yourself? Do you look professional? Are your goodies covered? Do you look like you came there to do your job versus maybe to show the model that you could take her place? Uh, when you pull out your kit, are your supplies clean? Did you set up in a professional way? They may not understand what all those supplies do, but they understand that they look messy. The key part of your job, the most important key first step of your job um, that they don't publicize is making the talent, whether it's a model or a celebrity or whomever else, comfortable and calming them down for the shoot. You think you got stress? They got a lot of stress. The entire shoot is depending on them. It doesn't matter how great the hair, the makeup, and the photography is. If the model is uncomfortable and it shows, the whole shoot is gone. So you need to relax them, ease them into the day. You have to have a spirit of wanting to keep calm 
or I mean, I've seen some divas make it. I don't, I don't know how far they make it, but you got to have the spirit of being there to collaborate and to help. And really, whatever is going on with you, it has to be left at home. It is very difficult for us creatives to uh, work when we talk with our husband or boyfriend and, you know, the bills are piling up. But when you bring that energy, you do a disservice to the entire job. Um, what's something else you need to bring? You need to be really efficient with styling and able to think through a plan so that everybody can get out there, get out of there as fast as possible. You need to service them in a way that won't hurt them. Many times you can get done what you want to get done, but if you burn their hair out, you know, that's not a good thing. How can you create these looks without burning them? All while the makeup artist is doing their makeup, their nails are getting done, and the producer may be speaking to them at the same time. Can you really get in there and round brush and straighten out that hair without their head? bopping back and forth can you create a curly style in a way maybe without heat so that you don't cause any damage to their hair at all these are things that they pay you for because the average person wakes up every day and does something to hair but what do you do that sets yourself apart as a professional right and they're expecting you to show up with the answers show yeah. up and show out and don't bother them asking them 10,000 questions. Like I've run my own shoots as a hairstylist and I do makeup as well, but I promote myself as a hairstylist. And I'm surprised that when the makeup artist comes to me with the questions, like I can't even give direction because I'm doing catering, photography, production, wardrobe. I don't know, girl, can you make it look good? That's all I got for you. <laughs> Can you give us an example of a time when you just had to turn on a dime? Absolutely. The first thing that comes to mind is I have uh, not relaxed my hair in 20 years and I'm happy to work with all hair textures. I had a new young starlet and I had not worked with her before and I got a call um, saying, okay, she's chosen to work with you, but she is very picky. And she wants, we have a four hour window and we want at least four different looks. So this is four hours for hair, makeup, um, and photography. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, no problem. I get there. Oh, we forgot to tell you. She does not want any straight looks and she doesn't allow any heat on her head. So that was a deep gulp. And what I did was I took it as a challenge and I set up my phone on the time lapse because I wanted to see if I could do it. I brought a plethora of different hair extensions. I worked from one base of a hairstyle and added different looks to it. And I was able to do six looks in four hours. And it was a challenge to me, but I was excited that I was able to exceed that challenge for the political statement that she was making. And what she said to me was, generally, if you have um, wavy hair or if you have straight hair, everybody has every suggestion in the world for how to change your hair multiple ways. But I'm expected to sit over here and just be happy with one hairstyle. I'm expected to allow somebody to put straight hair on my head when I on a red carpet and I should be happy but she said God didn't make me that way and different styles can be created with my kinky hair 
So she's one of my favorite clients, Dominique Fishback. She's in a plethora of different um, movies and has a few coming out. And like now we're thick as thieves. And I appreciated her challenging me. Did I sweat? Absolutely. Oh my God, yes. I absolutely sweat. But that actually upped my confidence for working with every hair texture. Because yes, you can style every hair texture, but can you make them feel good about it? Can you be creative? Can you give something very conservative all the way to something avant-garde? Can you make them look like a princess or a queen? If you can do this with other hair textures, you should be able to do it with all. Wow. Uh, I, I... I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall or maybe assisting you at that time. <laughs> um, I'm so grateful you took this time just to, to, to sit with me and, and speak with us. Can you remind people of the different places where they can find you? Because I know you have your own site, you're on Instagram, shout some of those out. Absolutely. So to see my day-to-day -day and get hairstyling tips and see the celebs I work with, uh, follow me on Instagram, which is the same um, name as YouTube, where I have almost 200 videos for hairstylists, at Monet Artistry. Monet is M-O-N-A-E. Monet Artistry, M-O-N-A-E. So um, that is for YouTube as well as Instagram. And I also have the Monet Life. So that's The Monet Life, M-O-N-A-E, The Monet Life, M-O-N-A-E. Film, M-O-N-A-E for <laughs> The Monet Life. You can catch me there as well, um, where I have a lot of my public speaking as well as The Monet Life Academy. And if you're interested in learning more about braided hairstyles for fashion, runway, weddings, and maybe even just working out, you can check out my book, Stunning Braids. That's great. And we're also going to look for 25 things stopping you from being hired, right? That's yes, gonna, absolutely. Is that in a few months we should look for that? or when? I don't think in a few months. The way I work, it's looking like within a few weeks. So um, definitely wow. by early summer. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll stay on top of that. I'm so grateful you gave this, gave us your time and your talents and, um, and thank you, Monet, for joining us on Choose Beauty. Thanks for listening to Choose Beauty, a Modern Salon podcast. Stay up to date on all the latest industry news at modernsalon.com. Follow us on social media at Modern Salon on Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode of Choose Beauty. And thanks again to our sponsor, Ulta Beauty, the leader in cosmetics, fragrance, and skincare. Be sure to check out Glam Lab, their virtual try-on experience inside the Ulta Beauty app, and follow them on Instagram, at Ulta Beauty. Visit Ulta.com to stay up to date on news, store reopening dates, and beauty steals. 